Beloved, now open our, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. We'll have a, a, a special <coughs> sermon given that uh, this evening is uh, anticipating uh, tomorrow's holiday, feast day as they call it. But uh, I've chosen this because uh, it, it, nicely, it nicely dovetails with this morning's sermon. We, we see at the conclusion of Matthew uh, that our Lord is, is risen uh, and uh, given all authority in heaven and earth by the Lord Father. And uh, the disciples uh, then given commission to go out into all the world. Now, that's the conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew, but in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, we already have a hint, more than a hint, uh, of the kingliness of our Lord, even as a baby in the manger, and that this kingliness is welcomed by Gentile rulers. These magi are people of no mean stature, no little stature, from what can be gathered of magi. They had influence, they had, they had money, they, uh, they were wise and, and astute in matters of science and, and uh, literature. And apparently, apparently, some of these magi had uh, been influenced by the narrative of Scripture somewhere along the road, somewhere along the road. And these came and gave tribute to the Lord Jesus. How very different the reaction that we have from Herod and from the chief priests. It seems, and I had the meditation this, this afternoon, you know, Jesus is both a, a king maker and a king slayer. Think about that. And that's what the Baptist is announcing. Every valley will be exalted, every mountain and hill made plain. Uh, if we would humble ourselves, he would lift us up. But we are not prone to do that unless he gives us the Holy Spirit and grace to be humbled. Uh, he, he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And he seats the poor, the afflicted, among the, the kings, the princes of his people. So he is the king's slayer and he is the king maker. And he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's Christ and he is celebrated. So the, the title of this uh, sermon is A Little King, A Little Evidence, and, and A Great Faith is what we see here in our text. Our text is Matthew 2. Matthew 2, we began this, uh, this gospel of Matthew sometime, some years ago. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, when after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly 
and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring him to me, bring him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, and when it rose, it went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thus far reading God's holy word, grass withers, its flowers fades. The word of our God endures forever. And the word that was just read is that word, and the word by his help will be preached. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes uh, by the word of God. But much hearing of the word of God may not result in saving faith. That's what I gather here. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. But much hearing of the Word of God may not result in faith. The paradox here is just hearing a, 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 a bit, a, a part, a, 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 as it were, a snippet, a, a newspaper clipping of the Word of God was sufficient for these wise men from the East to act and move. And uh, you know that, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the main difference. Uh, you know, my, my elder here, Jeremy, sent me a, <clears throat> a video of a man that was explaining the difference between teaching and preaching. Uh, teaching uh, gives you information, it instructs. That's the aim of teaching, to impart knowledge, information, knowledge. The object of preaching is to get you to move. These wise men moved. The word was effective. I don't know, I don't know if there's a prophet that visited them somewhere in the time past, but they, the word got a hold of them, a snippet of the word. These people didn't have the whole of the Old Testament. They probably had just had fragments, some notions of a king. And they acted, and they came. But, you know, that's a great encouragement for those of us who love to see the kingdom grow. I hope all of you in, this, in the room does, uh, do, uh, to see the church prosper, uh, people be baptized. Uh, because the Lord can draw people with scant evidence, but always by his word and always by his spirit. And we can never doubt that the Lord will have a church and that he's about building it. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but much hearing of the word may not, may not result in saving faith. We'll see in three points this. First of all, that some have very little knowledge, very little information, very little data, but have great faith. 
This is an amazing thing. Here we see the, 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 the wise men. And these uh, magi would have been counselors to kings in the Orient or wherever they came from. Uh, they had some knowledge, but not nearly as much knowledge as the chief priests, the scribes, even Herod, who had a mixed Gentile and Jewish background, had a, a good amount of knowledge. He knew that the scriptures foretold of the birth of the king and that the scriptures uh, told the name of the place, the locality. He had just forgotten, so he asked the teachers of, of, uh, of Israel. And of course, they knew. But you see there, the, they knew. <laughs> they knew. But they didn't move. They didn't move. The Magi did. They acted on little knowledge from Scripture. How? It could have been the ten tribes of Israel, northern Israel, dispersed. We don't know where these people ended up. But they certainly have had, would have had the first five or six books of Moses. I don't know that they really cared about them, but some of them may have gossiped a little bit about the, the hope of Israel. What about Daniel's prophecies? He was in Babylon. Uh, what about Micah 5.2? You, Bethlehem, Ephrathah? who are too little to be among the clans of Israel. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And there's, you know, so it, 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 there's that testimony. Uh, now, <clears throat> these wise men, if they were magi, if they were Chaldeans, they would have had an interest in the sky. And we can't blame them entirely. In those days, there was really a very little distinction between astronomy, which is a lawful calling and a, a good endeavor. We ought to be curious about God's creation. We ought to be investigating and mapping out and charting and classifying stars and planets and things like that. As a kind of a, a dovetails into astrology and other, other kinds of things, but they knew something that we have forgotten <laughs> and, and still need to remember that the sky is meant for signs. And as the world wraps up into the latter days, the Lord, as in the days of Noah, uh, the wrath of God may be in the days of Noah was connoted by rain, a phenomena that fell from the sky, and uh, all manner of signs may be in the sky because the sky was made for God to communicate things to get men's attention, to get man's attention. Genesis 1.14 says as much, that they are objects, they govern the sky, but they are there for seasons and times. Uh, let's look at Genesis 1.14. I need to read it. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let there be for signs and for seasons. Well, uh, we use, we use uh, the sky to connote the first day of winter, which was December 21 or 22, depending on the, the equinox. But we don't natively today think of them as, as they're for signs for us, but these magi are 
wise men certainly did. And they may have also been looking at Numbers 24 and verse 17. Uh, this is Balaam's prophecy, and his, he's a Gentile. Uh, he knew something uh, that was communicated to him, and of course, he, I don't know how he's divinating this, but he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall crush the head of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth, etc. It goes on. But he sees the scepter uh, belonging to Judah rightly, Joseph was the lead. At first, Judah came into prominence after the sons of, of Joseph and, and as the tribes. And Judah was the, the tribe from which our Lord descended, and a star was to come. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how they got that mishmash together and, and pursued the star, but here they are. So they believed whatever scant knowledge they had. And the, the, these uh, wise men's faith greatly honored Christ. First of all, they traveled a, a long journey. And that is no safe endeavor. They would have needed protection. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I mean, I would, I would take care to, to walk across Houston. You know, there are some neighborhoods here I would like some protection before I walk through some neighborhoods. And these men traveled uh, long distances, exposing themselves to danger, and they had gifts, and there were no small gifts. These were costly gifts, and they were gifts befitting a king. Gifts that uh, Mary and Joseph, who uh, may not have had a great deal of money, may have been able to use for food and for lodging later. The Magi then had great faith, and they had great faith not in Mary, and not in Joseph, uh, but their immediate interest was the child. They, they asked Herod, they asked about the child. Um, maybe this is one of the greatest examples of faith in the whole of the scriptures. It, it parallel, I think it, it comes close to matching the, the thief on the cross, uh, how he could <laughs> come up with that at the last hour and safely, uh, safely arrive in Zion is amazing. But with God, all things are possible. And uh, we see great faith. <clears throat> and uh, the surprise here is, of course, that these are Gentiles. These do not have all the advantages that Paul the Apostle lists <clears throat> in being a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, Pharisee of Pharisees, as to uh, the outward performance of the law, blameless, etc. All these are advantages because the Jew had much advantage, great advantage in every way, says Paul. And yet, and yet, knowledge of itself is not sufficient. Knowledge of itself is not sufficient. It must stir the heart. And this is what these men had. These men had faith and they had heart. And they worshiped the Lord Jesus, although the Lord Christ was a baby, they worshiped this one. They saw somehow a mystery greater than had ever been proclaimed yet in any epistle or any writing. Small and helpless, as we just sang, 
The Magi's rejoiced exceedingly. Boy, I tell you what, I would have loved to have been in that. Can you imagine these faces when they beaming with joy, lit with joy? Have you ever seen a, a face delighted with, with the glory of God? It's unforgettable. It's unforgettable to see, to see pure joy and love in the face of a worshiper of God. It's contagious. And they were happy, happy, happy in finding the star of the King Jesus and continuing. Now, friends, we need to ask ourselves, how much knowledge, how much evidence do we need to believe? You don't need much to believe. A little faith saves as much as great faith. And a little knowledge and little instruction could save, truly save, truly justify. Okay. Little faith is true faith. But all faith worships. And all faith worships with delight. All faith worships, despite hardship, despite long distances, despite the danger of a nutcase for a governor. Herod was a nutcase, a dangerous despot, a manslayer who will kill thousands of babies in a few days. Or, yeah, shortly, he'll become enraged for the same reason. Envy and, again, kings do not like to be dispossessed of their crowns. In Jesus, we have a competitor. They look at him as a usurper. Even this little baby in Scripture, Herod will look at him as a competitor and a usurper. And nobody likes to be displaced. No one likes to be outsourced. But my friends, we're all being outsourced because the Lord is turning this place upside down and he's slaying kings and he's making kings. And that's what he's doing. <coughs> Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to believe all that God has written. But, but having believed and, and, and received the word, we need to what? We need to move. We need to act. We need to act on what you have received from Scripture. And if the preacher doesn't preach it with application, I'm sorry. He's supposed to. But that's your problem and your responsibility because all Scripture is to be read with love in your hearts. We're supposed to meditate on what we read and we're supposed to apply it. And that's what a Presbyterian standard says. Don't, don't, look, don't look to your preacher if he fails you. It's still on you to find application in the Word of God. Some that have little knowledge have great faith. Point number two, some that have much knowledge have no faith. King Herod had all, all manner of resources and friends in his circles, and Herod was not overjoyed at all in the news of the child that was promised. And now, apparently, apparently, has been evidenced as, as born. He's not overjoyed, he's troubled. The news of King Jesus and his birth. Uh, you know, there are, there are serious political implications here, and he must be deposed. Now, look, you know Psalm 2. 
the kings of the earth take their stand and rulers against the Lord and against his, his anointed, setting, saying, let us cast away their cords, break their, break their fetters. Men do not want to be constrained by God at all. And they will look for every way to get rid of every notion of God in their own heads and every semblance of God everywhere because fallen man is more kin to devils and serpents than they are to angels and saints. King Herod had knowledge, much knowledge, but no faith. The chief priests even had more. The scribes especially had more. These were the God-appointed authorities to teach. Uh, again, uh, if there's anything to be learned as Protestants, we know that men in authority in ecclesiastical office do not necessarily know what they're doing. You can go through all manner of hoops. You can have your head full of all kinds of knowledge and not act and not move. The chief priests did, the scribes did, the Jewish leaders. <laughs> apathetic. They were apathetic. How could they possibly say, oh, yeah, we know the answer. This is not a Jeopardy game. This is not a Jeopardy question. You know, for $500, where is Jesus going to, the king of the Jews, where is he going to be? This is not a Jeopardy contest. If they knew, why didn't they move? Apathetic of the news of King Jesus? The promised deliverer of Israel? These people were set. These people were comfortable. They didn't need any change in their lives. They were comfortable. And they didn't want any upset. So let's just keep this in abeyance and answer the question. But you know what? Let's not, beyond that, I. They could have made diligence. They could have followed these wise men. They didn't. Head knowledge. No love for God. You know what this is? James would say this. This is no faith. <clears throat> this, is, this religion is worthless. It's, it's worse than worthless. It's dangerous. <coughs> it is dangerous. <coughs> because it is scandalizing. And it, it, it is a discouragement to people who are truly earnest in finding God and acting on the light that they have in the scriptures. To see so much apathy to see so much lethargy, to see so much sluggishness, to see no zeal in preaching, and really no preaching at all, just information, instruction, but no movement. <coughs> the township, <coughs> some have much knowledge, they have no faith. <coughs> the whole town of Bethlehem <laughs> with Herod. The people were troubled. They heard, they heard some visitors had come in. They were looking for the king. They heard that Herod was, Herod was interested in this. They knew about this dog, Herod, that he's a manslayer. He killed his own children for crying out loud. This man is dangerous. But yeah, they're going to be troubled. And they're going to lose about, what, four or 5,000 children? within a couple of years, because Herod's a madman, lusting for power, 
lusting for his own prideful gain. And they knew that there was going to be some contention. And what people want above anything in the world back then and now is personal peace and prosperity. They don't want any trouble in Bethlehem. That's what we call out a silent night, man. Let's have a silent night for once, a holy night for once. We're tired of contention. But as long as the church is in the world, it's going to have contention. And there's going to be strife because heaven and hell are at war. And kings are at war with our king. And we will have strife. And we must be soldiers and valiant and act and move on what we know. <clears throat> it's been said, the nearer the church, <clears throat> the further from God. We take the church for granted. Oh, the church will always be here. Hey, you want to go to church? I guess we'll get married in the church. Oh, somebody died? <clears throat> I guess we better go to church. <clears throat> oh, it's uh, two holidays in the year, Christmas, Easter. We better go to church. <clears throat> Beware of over-familiarity with the church. Beware of your laxness in attendance. <clears throat> Beware of coming to church expecting to receive nothing <clears throat> because you didn't bring faith. You brought some knowledge. They didn't bring desire. You didn't bring hunger. You didn't, <clears throat> you didn't bring meekness. You thought you'd critique the sermon. But the word is critiquing us, my friends. The word measures us. We don't measure the word. The word measures us. Do you show apathy then to the things of God? <clears throat> it's time for renewal. <clears throat> Bethlehem, although a covenanted people, a covenanted city, and the covenant of Jehovah is already partially apostate. And they didn't know it. Most people in the Christian religion today are partially apostate, and they do not know it. They do not sense their danger. And as they, if they don't make repair, if there's no renewal, they will find themselves absolutely gone from Christ, even <clears throat> forsaking him and even denying the faith of the master that bought him says Hebrews. Some that have much knowledge have no faith. Do you have faith? Do you have love in your heart? <clears throat> Are you excited of Christ Emmanuel with us? The third point is this. God will keep us and he will keep all who have true faith in his kingly son. <clears throat> These magi got in trouble. <clears throat> they asked the wrong guy for advice. Like on the highway, you stop for advice. You better make sure you know something about the person you've stopped to ask advice. Herod's a, it's a bad guy to ask advice. He's dangerous. They put, him, they put themselves in the, in the sights of a killer. <clears throat> but God keeps these wise men from Herod's violent intrigue. He sends them a dream. The Magi, <clears throat> this is no superstition. They knew that God could speak in this way in that time. Not having the scriptures, God finds means. God's not constrained to work only 
through the scriptures, but he primarily does, and he can give his word. I don't understand, but just as Balaam gave the prophecy of the rising star of Jacob, so these wise men have some kind of <clears throat> visitation from God himself. Many feign worshipers, uh, many feign worshiping Christ, <clears throat> and they do so for practical, for political advantage. And that was the case <clears throat> with all the religion here in the, the partially apostate already sons of Israel, that <clears throat> Christ's appearing, that group, that, that people of God were very, very low, very, very low with respect to the religious fervor. But my friends, this gospel of Matthew is written to reveal the promised son, the promised child. And, and the gospel begins right up front with the revelation that God delivers on his promises. That this is that son of David, born of the king, on the line of David the king, who was promised an everlasting house and <clears throat> everlasting loving kindness to his sons. The Davidic covenant promised that. And this would be the true king of Israel. And this gospel of Matthew will show the great difference. <laughs> this is what I wanted to show my elder before the service. This gospel <clears throat> of Matthew, if followed closely and applied to the heart, will show you the difference between true faith and nominal faith. This gospel of Matthew is a splitter. It will divide the church. You must divide your heart. You must make sure <clears throat> that you understand that part of your heart is wicked beyond, beyond description. You must make sure that you don't understand and I don't understand the wickedness of our own hearts. And we can be deceived to think that we're something we're not. That we, just because we have some kind of knowledge, like these scribes answer, the, oh, the, the test question, where does the child be born? Oh, that's Bethlehem, of course. All right, good, scribe. Wrong, bad scribe. You don't worship him. Your faith doesn't have any power, no movement to God. This Gospel of Matthew will show a great difference <clears throat> between the true and the false in Israel. And he will save all who truly believe in King Jesus who not only called him Lord, Lord, as we hear in Matthew 7, there's seven of them out. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many miracles in your name? Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. I never knew you. Never knew you. But all those who are meek and lowly and receive him, yeah, they, enjoy, they, they, can rejoice, they can rejoice in the presence of God. And you know what? Seeing Christ, Emmanuel, is enough for the true worshiper. We don't need any other pageantry. We don't need any other ornaments. We don't need any other festivity or hallmarks. Because we have Christ. And our faces show it. When we don't have Christ, you throw up all the ribbons you want in the church. It's not going to help anybody. He will save all who come to him meekly and truly bow and truly bend the knee. You know, <clears throat> my friends, kings rule. They are there to protect. They are there as saviors. That's what King Jesus does. Herod does not do that. The kings of the earth, <clears throat> when they fall apostate, they become 
terrors. Most of the kings of the earth today rule by the authority of God in their position, but they do not understand that they must kiss the sun, lest his wrath, the sun's wrath, be soon kindled. And how blessed are all who trust in the sun. The conclusion of Psalm 2. Get over your remonstrance. Get over your rioting. Get over your rebellion. Because you can't win against this king. Get over your littleness of your fiefdom. That's what we all have in this world. You have a little bit of a space here. You know, every one of us has a carbon dioxide footprint or something. We, we want to protect that. Well, that's our little space. Hey, this is my carbon dioxide here. Jesus is Lord of all or he's nothing to you. He's Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing to you. You must give yourself to him and let him rule because he is the only king, the only true king. That's what Jesus Christ did for the Magi. <clears throat> and how did Jesus know this? How did he give him this joy? How? Because Jehovah, he's Jehovah God. This child is Jehovah God. Yes, he's in the manger, but he's the second person of the Trinity overall in spirit. And he's still in charge of the whole cosmos. This one and the Magi were astounded. We should be astounded. We, this, this, this is beyond what we understand. This transcends anything that we know by nature. It is above reason, but it's not counter to reason. Because God does not contradict truth. <clears throat> How do you know you have real faith? How do you know you have real faith? Well, part of the answer to that is <clears throat> your attitude at worship. Answer the question I just asked. Is Christ enough? That's a really important question. The second thing, though, is does the faith move you? It, it, the gospel is not merely a proposition to be believed. The gospel is unto godliness to all who believe. You will be, you will be a, a distinct. You will be different. These wise men were very different from everyone else in Judah. Why? Because they were wise unto salvation. Are you wise unto salvation? Read 1 John carefully. Read 1 John prayerfully. Read 1 John. Do you really love the brethren? Is, is love abounding more and more among you? Are you truly reconciled? Are you at peace? Are you willing to reconcile with a, with a brother who you know is estranged? That's what love does, and that's what keeping peace in the church is about. Are you interested in the, in the gospel expansion to the point where if you have visitors, you, you at least acknowledge them, but maybe even invite them? To, and why not invite them to coffee or do something radical and give them your address? Take a risk. You lose nothing by serving Christ. These guys took a long risk, a long journey. Don't let these Gentiles outshine your faith. Come on. Come on. We have the plenary power of the Holy Spirit in its fullness in the, in the New Testament, the covenant of grace. And we've got to have, we've got to show something for, we've got to show our cards here. We've got to show what we have. Do you have true faith? 
You have more than scant knowledge. Man, you got a boatload of knowledge. Many of you are teachers. But are you moving? Do you act? Do you take risk? Do you worship fervently? Can you rejoice with exceeding gladness? That's faith. Once you see Christ, no one has to exhort you. No one has to preach. No one has to remind you. It's just, that's what happens. That's the word of God with power. You don't need a preacher for that. You don't need me. But I'm telling you, that's what happens. But do you have it? Seek the Lord. There's a difference between seeking the Lord and his presence, Emmanuel, and reading about him and knowing about him. I know a lot about various people in the world. I, I might say I know a lot about Ted Cruz, but I don't know Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz doesn't know me. We're not familiar. There's a difference between knowing about Ted Cruz and riding around Houston with Ted Cruz. The Magi worshipped the child King Jesus. They had little knowledge of Scripture, but they acted upon that knowledge. They worshipped. They worshipped. Jesus gave, uh, they worshipped Jesus and they gave, they gave costly gifts. Sacrificially. It, it, because their treasure was not in their chests. <laughs> the treasure was <laughs> in front of them. And it's easy to give when the treasure is outside of you. Others had much greater knowledge of Scripture, but they did not rejoice in the birth of their promised, long, long promised king, deliverer. But all who believe in the gift of God, his son Jesus, they glorify God, they honor God, and will be kept by God because he's their shepherd and he is their good Savior and King. My friends, we need to take comfort in knowing that God is very pleased with us when we, when we honor Christ, when we esteem him preeminent, and when we see him as the treasure, the long-expected Jesus. God is pleased because we see what he sees, and we adore what he loves. Faith pleases God the Father, and without faith, nothing that you do, nothing in religion, no, no thoughts, no actions, no movement, nothing will please the Lord because without faith, <clears throat> you lose your labor. You lose your worship. You worship not. You contribute nothing. You drop coins in the offering plate, it doesn't count for anything because you don't do it by faith. Without faith, you nullify everything that you do. Without glorifying God in the least thing that you do, by eating and drinking whatsoever you do, if you do it by faith, that is an act of worship and it's pleasing to God. And you ask the Lord for the blessing of the food and he does and you enjoy God. Even a small meal is a feast with God present. Emmanuel. Without faith, you might as well drink poison. Is your service and love to Christ growing along with your knowledge? 
the amount of knowledge that you have, you should have an overwhelming zeal and a glowing love and, an, and, a, and a phenomenal endurance for the kingdom. Is that what we see? Is that your testimony? We have this heart, head, hands. That's what makes a man. That's what makes a man. Is that what we see? Or is there a disconnect between head and hands? Or heart and head? That's not a man. That's an anatomy class. That's a cadaver. He's dead. Wisdom is, of course, vindicated and proved by her children. There's no hiding true faith in Jesus. As I said, nobody needed to catechize these wise men to have rejoicing. Nobody needed to uh, tell them, well, listen, when you, when, you, when you see the child, you've got to bow low. You've got to get on your knees, okay? You, they don't need that instruction. That's what, we, that's what everyone's going to do when he appears on the last day. When he breaks the horizon, everyone is going to hit the deck. Catechism or no? Take comfort then in knowing that God will protect and guide you, just like He did these wise men. Yeah, there, 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 yeah, there, there are certain, there are certainly Herods out there. You don't believe in conspiracy theory, man. You got to, you got to read the last chapters of Matthew again. You know? <laughs> certainly are conspiracies. There's a lot of goofiness posing for conspiracies. Stupid, stupid things. We ought not to go around believing in. But sure, wicked men plot. Sure. They're against the Lord and against his anointed. Sure, they're against his kingdom. Sure, you're a moving target as a Christian. You've always been. You've got to know that. And so you've got to get fit. You've got to put on the full armor of God. You've got to know the scriptures. You've got to pray up. You've got to act on, your, on, your, uh, on what you know. You've got to ask the Lord for forgiveness and cleanse you all the time and renew you. You've got to pray for revival for yourself first and then the church. But the Lord will protect and guide you through all of this. We like the story of Samson. He's a bit of a clown, you know. But even that clown did a lot. With, with not even a tenth of the, of the knowledge you have. Knowledge, <laughs> Samson did a lot. He was, again, he was a comical, tragic figure. But he knew something about the joy and the strength of the Lord. When you take comfort in knowing God, <clears throat> you greatly honor him. You greatly worship the Lord. You trust the Lord, knowing that you're safe, whatever comes. Whatever comes, you're in his arms. He's your shepherd. He will bless you. He will carry you as your shepherd. And he will be your savior. And this is the gospel. The gospel invites you here to consider what would you have done? Would you, knowing what you know today, would you have ventured into that manger? On that cold night, when that night was asleep, the Bethlehem, knowing that, the, that Herod has his agents and looking around, would you have gone? Would you have followed? Would you have worshipped a baby king? Because he was Lord of all. Do you have that faith? Jesus is a stumbling block in his incarnation to many. 
Jesus' messengers, the prophets, have always been a stumbling block. Incarnation of the Word of God has always been a stumbling block. Oh, the Pharisees celebrated Moses. Oh, yeah, I, you know, we believe Moses and all he wrote, but we don't know where this guy came from. Jesus, we don't know where you're from, but we know Moses, yeah. Well, they wanted to kill Moses, and they killed most of the prophets. But the man of faith, the woman of faith, sees and loves and worships and acts. My friends, you are blessed. You are blessed if you believe truly and you have not seen. The Lord, the Lord said to Thomas, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. We have the evidence of Scripture. We haven't seen the baby Jesus. We haven't seen the star. We have the prophecies. We have the prophetic word now made all the more sure in, in its fulfillment. And when you read it and when you hear it pre, uh, preached, does your heart, heart leap as John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth? Blessed are they who believe but have not seen. Blessed are they who can rejoice in seeing God's gift. God's most precious gift, God's, God's most costly gift, who left the company of angels and the worship of heaven, <clears throat> the adoration of all holy beings to come and get enmeshed and ensnarled and find a lot of problems here working, walking this earth with men and devils. But that's our Lord. He did it because he had to, because he wanted to, for our sakes, and for the glory of God the Father and revelation of his great mercy, he would worship God, and he has done this. Let's remember what this celebration of the incarnation is really about. Let's celebrate incarnation. But let's celebrate incarnation intelligently, and let's do something that might honor God in his incarnation. Let's worship him. And let's take pains to worship him. And let's worship him as he loves in spirit and truth. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, now we pray that you would open our eyes to see something, something of the glory of your person, even as an infant. <clears throat> and we pray, Lord, that as we do, we would wonder and gaze in amazement, fall down, as we see something exquisite, well beyond our comprehension, and we ascribe worth, all worth, all glory to your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we ask that you be worshipped in Christ in this way. Receive our praise, receive our wonder, and help us, Lord, in every way to be your faithful people. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.